Hi there. Welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. This show delves into the details of HR through conversations with smart, experienced, and successful professionals who've done the work. You can also find me on YouTube, where you can interact with me and other people like yourself. Today, my guest is Gail Wadden. Gail is a lawyer and recently launched a platform to help Canadians understand their compliance issues. It's called Compliance Works, and it isn't even that expensive. Mind you, that's besides the point. Today, we're going to talk about compliance in general. Hi, Gail. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah, nice to have you. And I have lots of questions, as always. So let's just get started. Uh, so speaking of getting started, where should we start this conversation around compliance? It's such a big topic. How do you organize your thoughts? It's a really good question. Um, I think it's important to understand, first of all, what we're talking about when we say compliance. Compliance is about legislation. So it's about the laws that are passed by our provincial and federal government that impact on HR and the employment relationship. So these include things like employment standards, health and safety, human rights, privacy, pay equity, accessibility, and labor relations. Right. And I think when we start talking about this, it's also really important to understand how tough compliance can be. And, and that's where, that's the starting point for me. You know, mm. laws aren't written in a user-friendly way. They're written mm -hmm. by lawyers, for lawyers, you know, they're not written in a way that's intended for, you know, the layperson to understand. Mm -hmm. On top of that, they change all the time. Um, you know, the law is not static. Mm -hmm. Those obligations are changing mm -hmm. and they vary from one jurisdiction to another. So it's a lot to stay on top of. So, I mean, obviously we should care about compliance because, you know, that could get us in trouble, but are there some less obvious reasons we should be caring? Yeah, I, th I think there's a lot of reasons to care about compliance, actually. And, and you're right, there's obvious reasons yeah. and there are sort of less obvious reasons. So what are some um, of the less obvious ones? Yeah, I mean, I think that maybe one of the less obvious ones for some people is actually the litigation risk. I mean, I think when we talk about compliance, people think about um you know, regulatory kind of compliance and fines or investigations, and there's all of that. Um, increasingly, we're seeing more and more class actions related to uh, employment laws and employment law compliance, uh -huh. uh, which can be extremely costly. It, and then even less obviously is the reputational uh, risk and the reputation right. that employers want to be mindful of. I think as everyone in HR is well aware of right now, we're sort of going through the, the great resignation as it's being called. And there are mm -hmm. real issues across the board, mm -hmm. retaining talent. Mm -hmm. um, it, and I think, you know, it's an issue for everybody. It's particularly been heightened in the nonprofit sector. Um, if I can talk about that. Sure. Yeah. So in years gone by, nonprofits often attracted talent because of their mission. And that's been changing a bit. So more recently, many for-profit employers are, are realizing this. Oh, They're offering right. more programs around things like volunteer work, um, will let you do some pro bono work. And that has really impacted the nonprofit sector's ability to attract and retain talent. Because mm -hmm. now those employees are able to get both. You know, the better, mm -hmm. the better salary and benefits mm -hmm. that come in the for-profit world Mm -hmm. 
the ability to do good work, you know, mm-hmm. things that are meaningful to them. Yeah. And so for the nonprofits, it's really become even more important to ensure that they can compete on reputation as an employer, um, you know, an employer that cares about their employees. Mm-hmm. And number one, that means making sure that they are in compliance with their employment law obligations. Mm-hmm. Okay, so focusing on some areas of compliance that would uh, impact HR, you discussed the categories right out of the gate, but what are some emerging issues? And I know this could get to be a very big question, so maybe pick. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a couple. We probably can sort of focus it down to just okay. a couple of key okay. areas. Yeah, um, one area we're seeing a lot of change across the country is in health and safety. So, for example, Alberta recently uh, completely rewrote its Occupational Health and Safety Act and the code. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those changes, for any of your um, listeners with employees in Alberta, those are all going to come into effect December 1 of this year. Right. Um, Tied in with that health and safety theme, Quebec has also made a number of significant changes to their health and safety legislation. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've also introduced legislation to extend pregnancy and parental leave to surrogacy births, um, among other changes. So Mm -hmm. there's some interesting stuff kind of going on across the province Mm -hmm. or across the country. Yeah. Um, I think we are also going to see a number of changes that are coming out of, you know, COVID-19 and the greater move to remote work. Okay. I can give you one example that I think we're, you know, an example that's absolutely brand new that we're seeing here in Ontario. So on October 27th, um, the Ontario government introduced legislation that will require employers with 25 or more employees to have what they're calling a disconnecting from work policy. So this, yeah. Disconnecting from work means, you know, not engaging in work-related communications, including emails, telephone calls, video calls, or the sending or reviewing of other messages. And this appears to be uh, completely in response to remote work. And the, the issue that comes from people, essentially, when you're working from home, being you know, almost on 24-7. So can we talk about the U.S. a bit, just a little bit? How is the U.S. similar or dissimilar to Canada? You know, and can't profess to be an expert in U.S. uh, compliance or employment laws, but um, there are some important differences. So I think one of the most significant differences is that in Canada, it is provincial legislation that applies to most employees. So Mm -hmm. it's it's really only a small percentage of employees in Canada that will come under federal legislation. Right, right. The difference is in the US, a lot of the employment legislation is federal. So that means it's the same laws that apply to employees across the United States. Okay. This is a big issue, you know, for Canadian employers, because it means if you're an employer that has employees in more than one province, you've got to be on top of legislation from multiple jurisdictions. There Mm -hmm. there isn't just one place to go to say, this is what applies. You know, this Mm -hmm. is, you know, my employee's entitlement to a pregnancy leave, for example. Right, Um, right. It's going to vary 
from mm-hmm. one province to another. And mm-hmm. if what applies to you depends on the, the location of those employees. I, I can just say too, generally speaking, there are just more compliance requirements in Canada. We, we do have ah, okay. more obligations overall right. than there are in the U.S. Right. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more tactically. So let's say you're the HR person and you've been asked a compliance type question. It's not in your policies. Uh, and even if it is, you should probably be checking. Um, how would you go about that? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. And I think it's really important to understand that there are a number of things that you have to think through. It's not, okay. um, yeah, it's sort of a multi-step process. Okay, so what are the steps? So first, you've got to think about all of the various legislation that might apply. Um, so for example, let's say the issue you're looking at is something related to violence and harassment. Right. You know, those requirements are dealt with in different legislation in different provinces. Um, and there could be more than one act that applies. So okay. you'll find those in health and safety, employment mm-hmm. standards, or human rights legislation. Mm-hmm. Um, and every province, it's a little bit of a different mix. It may just be in one, it may be in, you know, two of those, um, and it may be in different, you know, different one or the other than in another province. The other thing is when you're thinking about what legislation applies, in some cases, there might be totally unrelated legislation that applies. So I can give you another example. Um, If you're a federal employer, the section that says you can give an electronic pay stub is found under a privacy law regulation. It's not even in the employment standards stuff. The next thing you have to do is consider all of the section of the act and the regulations that might apply. So... The way our legislation generally works, the act will set out many obligations, but the details are often found in the regulation. So you've got to check both. You you may look and and say, look, here's these sections of the act. They seem to set out what I need to do. If you don't look to the regulation, you could miss a whole bunch of other obligations that you have. Are you safer just to look in the regulation and not look in the act, or do you have to do both? You have to do both. Oh, yes. Okay. So the, the place to start is the act, because that'll set out generally your general kind of obligation. So you would look to, you know, for example, the Employment Standards Act in a province and, and you know, look at what the, the issue is you might be looking for. You can't assume, though, that that is all there is to it. You need to then look to the regulations. Okay. You know, similarly, you shouldn't just start with a regulation. Almost anything that's in a regulation, there's something connecting it in an act as well. Like there's an like the obligation comes somewhere from the act. So you really have to look at both. Okay. This sounds like an exceptionally time-consuming process. Is there some way to do it fast and efficiently besides your software? Besides our software? Um, I, I hate to say it, but no. Not if you want to be sure that you're not missing things. Um that is that is why we started Compliance Works. This mm-hmm. is exactly the problem that we set out to solve because there isn't a, there isn't another way. If you want to be sure that you've you know really kind of got everything, this is what you need to do. the re, The reality is, if you're a larger employer mm-hmm. and you go to a law firm, you know that that is one way. I guess it's going to be really expensive, mm-hmm. but you can hire a lawyer and say, "Look, I need to know you know what my obligations are." And a lot will do that. You know, they'll go to a law firm that'll prepare a, a, a large chart for you that will sort of set all of this out. 
This is the steps though, that they will go through. Often you'll find that things aren't all nice and neatly packaged together mm-hmm. with everything you need to know, you know, in one section or even in a couple of successive sections, mm-hmm. you've got to look at, there might be definitions that impact. There might be like, you're, you could be looking throughout an entire act um, mm-hmm. to make sure you've got everything that applies. And then just sort of lastly, you've got to look and make sure that there aren't any either exemptions or special rules that apply. So especially with employment standards, there are a lot of special rules depending on the industry you're in, the type of employee, like if you're a manager or, so you got to check all those too. So what happens if I make a mistake and I say, uh, you know, so-and-so you get seven days off or whatever, and really they're supposed to be getting 14 days or five. How do you rectify that? So it does depend on what the error is. So I would say, you know, errors can generally be fixed, but it just does depend. So that example you just gave, if you've not been giving somebody the right amount of time off, you Ah, fix that financially. You're going to have to pay them for what they've lost. Yes. You know, what I'd say generally is, you know, the key is to fix the error as quickly as you can. Don't stay non-compliant it sort of ties into what the risks are. So, you know, on something like that, I mean, there's a risk that you're going to end up under an investigation. If that employee goes to an employment standards officer and says, Hey, I don't, I'm not getting the right amount of, you know, time off or, you know, didn't get the right vacation. Then you potentially trigger an investigation. Mm -hmm. Um, Employees, you know, in some cases may be able to actually sue you for that, which is not something you want because that becomes public. So what is the one or two things that people just don't seem to get about compliance? So I think one thing that people really don't realize is how often these laws change. Mm. So it can be easy to think you've dealt with these issues enough. You know what your obligations are. Like, yeah, I've been doing this. I understand it. Those obligations change a lot. So Mm -hmm. I can tell you, you know, at Compliance Works, we cover over 110 acts and 232 regulations across Canada that all just deal with HR compliance. So like, that's a lot of law. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah. You know, right now, as of today, there are 33 bills that are proposing changes to those laws. Right. In the last year alone, forget about COVID. COVID, COVID changed every day there were over 300 changes to employment laws in Canada. I know from HR professionals that we speak with, that shocks them. Um, And it's a little bit scary because with that realization that for sure there are things that you think you know that are now wrong. Right. It is scary. I'll vote for HR professionals. It's scary. (laughs) So what are some ways... Uh, to stay abreast of compliance changes. And I know, I mean, talk about your software, but maybe talk about some other stuff as well. As you said, that that is the problem that we've tackled at Compliance Works. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the reality is absent a tool like ours, and, um, you know, I, I think it's fair to say, I don't think there isn't anything really comparable right now. The reality is there hasn't been a great way to stay on top of these changes. So generally... You know, what you can do is, you know, you rely on media reports of changes, right? Um, Subscribe to updates from law firms. So you'll get emails with updates that can be helpful. 
often communications from, you know, either professional or industry associations. So, you know, the HRPA in Ontario or CPHR or oftentimes payroll associations, they'll, they'll provide, you know, some updates as well. Mm -hmm. The only thing I'd caution people with those, if that is kind of the method you're using is that these are all a bit haphazard. So they don't cover every change. You're not getting, you know, communication about every change and they're often not very timely, you know, so knowing that something's coming is helpful. And, and a lot of times the way those communications are, are, are done, it's, it's just a bit, it's a bit ad hoc, right? They aren't those, those, they're not in the business to put it this way of, of providing you that it's sort of a service that all of these organizations offer, but it's a bit haphazard. And the other thing is, you know, you got to, you got to keep track of those, right? So you got to make sure you're saving those emails and you're kind of monitoring that in a way. Right, right. Um, Larger organizations often do have, and and I'm talking really large organizations, you know, an HR professional who is actually allotted this this responsibility. You know, it is their job to monitor these changes Mm -hmm. by actually checking the government websites, Mm -hmm. you know, and looking for those updates. Mm -hmm. It's it's hugely time consuming. Um, And I, you know, fully admit, not really an option if you're a smaller organization. It is, there's research out of the U.S., there isn't any in Canada, but data out of the U.S. says that, you know, HR compliance takes about 23 to 36 hours per week. The other thing I I would say is, um, you know, certainly what our tool does, we report on all changes that affect HR compliance. We report on those generally within 48 hours and often less. So, We have, we have our own proprietary software that tracks all government sites. We get notice as soon as they are posted, essentially, and we turn that around to you, you know, again, like I said, often the night that it's released, mm-hmm. you know, always within 48 hours. You can also, just like the other types of communications I was talking about, so law firms and all of that, we post some information on our website um, mm, yeah. and on our social media. So, you know, I'm happy to have people, you know, check out the website and yeah. um, check out our resources there to, to help them with this as well. Right. Okay. Well, I will add links to those in the description of the episode. I think those will be all very useful. Well, thanks, Gail. That was very necessary. We've reached the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you next time when I talk shop with another insightful guest.